From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. It's Friday, October 15th. Listeners, it's our fall radiothon, that time of year where we ask you for your support. It's also a time to look back at the work we've done here at KZMU News over the last half year. You know, there's been some really hard times and hard issues. I'm thinking back to June and the Pat Creek Fire, and then to August and the double homicide of two local queer community members. Throughout it, KZMU News has been there, checking in with the fire response team over the summer, or just recently creating an LGBTQ plus visibility series to literally try and lift up those voices on our airwaves and help foster some empathy and understanding. If you've appreciated our approach and all the local and regional stories Monday through Friday, please consider donating. Every dollar goes straight back into your grassroots community radio station. You play a major role in helping our news department be there for you. So today on the news, we have a conversation between myself, General Manager Sarah Mead, and somebody else we've been able to welcome to our small and mighty staff recently, part-time reporter Justin Higginbottom. Sarah starts things off. Yeah, so um, this was something that was really exciting. I mean, the KZMU News has been, has had a long and storied history here at the radio station, starting from before any of our time here. There's always been some effort to have some type of a news thing on the air. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was a long while where that that effort had to be sort of set aside because KZMU was struggling to just stay on the air, Mm -hmm. especially after losing CPB funding. And the KZMU news was something that our former manager, Marty Derlin, really believed in and championed and made sure that we at least had a news department, department of one, (laughs) which it had (laughs) been for years. Uh And, um, And he did an incredible job. And um, it started off as a part-time department. It started off as a. <laughs> do you remember? That? Yes, I do remember that. And then it was amazing. We got to go full-time department, mm-hmm. and now here. Yeah. yeah, and so like we always kind of say at these radiothons, especially of late, KZMU is a story of growth. And we, I feel like our station is like the goldfish that's constantly outgrowing the bowl. And we're having to uh, throw the resources into getting a bigger bowl and fresh water to keep (laughs) this thing going. And we continue to grow to fill that space, Mm -hmm. which also tells me that the community needs us just Mm -hmm. that much more. You know, we shift and expand to be able to meet the needs of our listeners. And one of the things that was becoming very apparent was that we needed more Uh, capacity in the news department, more voices Mm -hmm. on the air reporting on the news and more ability to reach uh, members of the community and, and, um, you know, micro communities of our region to be able to report on the things that matter to our listeners. And so thanks to the listeners and their donations, we're able to fund a part-time reporter position and we put it out there. 11 people applied and we interviewed four of them, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and we were really excited to welcome you, Justin, to the team. So excited Thank that you've you. been here. And you have just like hit the ground running. Yeah, there's there's almost, there's too many stories to cover <laughs> around here. I'm super excited to be here. Do you think that was a surprise when you got here or did you know? No, that's one of the reasons why I applied and I took the job because I, you know, I, I did some work with you all, I think a year ago um, through a grant 
you had to investigate the fossil fuel industry around the region. And just, you know, researching a bit about what's going on here, um, it was just really exciting. There's there's tons of stories. There's um, And there's especially stories that might impact uh, locals, but also have a kind of, you can look at it through a national lens, like everything from like the housing shortage mm-hmm. or sort of a rural versus urban divide. Those things are applicable, you know, around the country, but um, mm-hmm. especially you can get personal stories of how they impact locals here. So I was really excited and have a huge Google Doc filled with story ideas <laughs> that I'm slowly getting through. Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, we were talking right before we started recording, uh, you were like, oh no, am I going to have to remember everything that I've done? Because it's <laughs> been a lot already, but I, I wonder if there's anything that has stood out to you, uh, since you've been on the team, um, reporting and working within the community, if there's any story or experience that has stood out. Yeah. Well, I mean, just this weekend, um, speaking about, you know, this area having a national significance, uh, Biden restored the boundaries to Bears Ears, uh, national monument. So I, went down to that area, not for a story exactly involving that, but um, to report on a story involving uh, native communities and uh, the last uranium mine in the country. Um, so mm. being in that area was really exciting. It's, um, it's a flashpoint for a lot of conflicts in the area, a lot of, uh, a lot of great, interesting stories. So th- that was mm. really exciting going down to San Juan County just mm. over the weekend. Yeah, I think having Justin here, you know, we we talked about different issues and topics that Justin could take over and cover. And one of the big ones is um, San Juan County and also, you know, the relationship between Grand County and San Juan County. Mm-hmm. So um, listeners can expect more stories um, from KZME News on that coverage area, which we haven't always been able to get to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's been, I mean, it's such a point of pride for me as kind of helping steer this ship that is KZMU to be able to grow the news department. And it's also not without recognizing that there are so many areas of KZMU that deserve the same amount of attention and growth. And um, we rely on our listeners Mm -hmm. to be able to meet those needs. And so little by little, we will be able to expand this radio station to offer the kind of service that this community deserves, a Mm -hmm. more well-rounded youth programs initiative, more um, eclectic and weird events for locals to be able to attend. Mm -hmm. And, um, And like you were saying, just more coverage more voices from the community so we're so grateful for your gifts and um still uh hoping that you'll consider giving during radiothon there's one more day left one more day left and tomorrow saturday Uh so um please give generously yeah you can help us reach our goal as uh, many regular listeners know we're hoping to reach thirty five thousand dollars um and any amount can help and we exceeded that in the spring which was kind of a unique thing that's that i don't know the last time that that has happened not only that we've met the thirty-five thousand dollar goal in spring but that we've exceeded it spring is typically a really um it's it can be a time of of meager means for people in this community who work the seasonal circuit and so to to know that y'all showed up in that way in the spring is amazing and we are so grateful and i know we can do it again i I do want to ask one more question of justin listeners haven't had a chance to um like they've heard you, um, but can you tell us a little they bit about? Yeah, they haven't heard. <laughs> but can you tell us where you came from and you know your experience in journalism and all that? Yeah, yeah, sure. It's a kind of long vagabond kind of route. But um, actually, my first job in journalism was in Salt Lake City. I worked for a newspaper there, the Deseret News, and um, 
And then soon after that, I left to go work for an English language newspaper in Phnom Penh in Cambodia, which was a trip. It was a really great time in that country's history regarding free press. There was, mm. there was two English newspapers um, mm. with Khmer sections as well um, that had great hard, you know, hard hitting, old school, great reporting. And the government shut the newspapers down eventually. <laughs> so that wow. bright spot didn't last. Wow. But then I sort of hung around the region and I freelanced and I worked for different, worked for different news publications. Um, I made it to the Middle East where I reported on um, Kurdish issues, mostly northern Iraq, mm-hmm. northern Syria, and lived in Beirut for a time. And then uh, COVID happened and I, and I came back to the States and um, came back with kind of fresh eyes almost <laughs> looking at mm-hmm. looking at some of the things happening here with mm-hmm. um, a different perspective. Glad to be back though. It's so exciting to have you here. Just the wealth of experience that you've had and the varied experience, I think, brings a lot to our radio station. I do want to say, too, you know, in addition to ha- to hiring Justin, which has been amazing and um, has really, like, stepped up the coverage area and also, like, the in-depth features and spots that we're able to offer, um, KZV News, of course, um, featured our Lift Up LGBTQ visibility series just mm-hmm. recently, um, which, listeners, if you haven't checked it out, every story is on our website at kzme.org under the programs tab mm-hmm. we also just this week um yeah. during radio <laughs> um completely organized and hosted the candidate roundtable for the mayoral and the city council election and that that was huge that was a huge effort yes and thank you for bringing that up because that was um almost like single-handedly orchestrated by none other than our very own Molly Marcello. It's, it seems like it's, you know, it's a three hour event. It seems like, Oh, you know, what could it take? It's asking questions and letting people answer them in Uh order. But there's so much that goes into organizing this and making sure that it is fair, that it is equitable, that everybody participating is on the same page Mm -hmm. and that we're providing the best information that we can to our listeners. Mm -hmm. It was also a big deal that we involved other media partners and were able to incorporate listener questions right yeah it was it was a big deal and I think it went off really well I mean the feedback we've received so far a lot of people have been grateful that they could hear from the candidates I think Mm -hmm. the papers have done an excellent job of um, profiling them but there's nothing like actually hearing them (laughs) answer questions Mm -hmm. in their own voices and sort of talk about what matters to them or how they would approach a certain problem and all of that is available listeners at the KZMU News podcast um and the kzmu public affairs podcast something else we set up this year um so i mean i i just i feel like there's so much going on in the news public affairs department realm at kzmu i'm happy to be part of it i'm glad that it exists and i hope that it is a service to our community i know it meets our mission so we're glad to do it thank you to everybody who has given um, and yes, one more big welcome to Justin. We're yeah. so glad that you're part of the team. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. That's Sarah Mead, Justin Higginbottom, and myself in conversation about the state of KZMU's News and Public Affairs Department. If you've appreciated our efforts, dear listener, you can donate now at kzmu.org. And thank you. And now, the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest stories about Moab area issues. 
Former Moab City Police Officer Everett Gist made local headlines after using an obscenity over his police radio that was intended to insult his fellow officers. Doug McMurdo from The Times Independent recently followed up with Gist after his initial reporting of this incident. Yes, on uh, September 28th, Moab Police Officer Everett Gist was let go. He was told that he was uh, not a good fit. And uh, he had possession of his patrol car uh, at the time that they told him he had been terminated. And he used um, a rather profane obscenity over the police radio uh, directed at Assistant Chief uh, Braden Palmer and and other officers. uh, uh, To the rest of them, you know, good working with you, but for these guys, they're a bunch of blah, blah, blah. Uh, That was on September 28th. And since then... um, We've learned that there had been a complaint made against Mr. Guest regarding his social media post. Mm. And um, so egregious that he had been fired previously in 2020 from adult parole and probation for his excessive hate-filled rhetoric on Mm. on Facebook, uh, basically uh, targeting Muslims and Islam, Native Americans, Hispanics, Latino, Latina uh, people. Pretty egregious stuff. And that Um, was, at that time, he was employed at Adult adult Parole. He was a a parole and probation officer uh, operating out of of Ogden. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mr. Guest, to his credit, returned by reaching out to him. He, He spoke to me. He, uh, first of all, he's very embarrassed over the profanity over the police radio. He said that was just a weak moment on his part, but he knows it was uh, clearly unprofessional mm. uh, for him to do that. And he does, he says he's not a racist. Um, I've not met a racist yet that said I'm a racist. Yeah. But uh, he says that he has problems with extremists. Yeah, what does that mean? In, insulted all Muslims, right. all Hispanics, right. all Native Americans. Uh-huh. So, so there's that. Um, and there's a problem, of course, when you're a sworn officer, you know, carrying a gun to protect all civilians. You right. Know? But you don't tell the full story until until you also tell about uh, his heroism. Mm. He, uh, you know, I, I put it in the story, you know, the duality of man. May 28th of 2020, Ogden police officer Nathan Lydon was killed, shot and killed in the line of duty. And um, Everett Guest was wounded uh, trying to come to his aid Mm. as he lay uh, dying or dead. Uh, Mm. It was a domestic violence uh, incident in Ogden. Mm -hmm. It it was just a horrible, both uh, the domestic violence suspect and Officer Lydon died and um, uh, Everett Guest was, was wounded. And he was, uh, he received the uh, Medal of Merit in a Purple Heart. He also earned the Medal of Valor. You know, a couple of things uh, come to mind. First of all, another horrible reminder of just how violent police work can be, what Mm -hmm. a dangerous job that is. And secondly, we all have different sides to us. You know, I'm not making excuses for this guy, Mm -hmm. but I'm I'm just saying that... um, he certainly has redeeming qualities because he was brave enough to risk his life and almost lost his life to come to the aid of another human being. It wasn't an easy story yeah. to write, and I was very um, uh, very respectful of his decision to call because he certainly didn't have to. Yeah, what, what compelled you to reach out to him, Doug, you know, in the first place? Well, because um, we had information on the uh, Facebook post. Right. So we were going to write a story anyway, and I'll be very frank with you. My idea was 
how did this guy get hired? Mm -hmm. That's where my mindset was at the beginning. But, you know, you have to reach out to people you're going to write about, Mm -hmm. whether it's good news or bad news or horrible news. You've got to give them the opportunity to respond. So I reached out to him basically to to doing my job, giving him a bit, hey, look, this is what I've got. This is what I'm working on. Um, I want to give you the opportunity to to respond. Mm -hmm. And to to his credit, he did. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I said, it always makes a better story when you get to talk to everybody that you're writing about. Anything else to mention about these dual articles? Um, Carter Poppy did this story on the reasons why he was terminated. The uh, Department of Corrections uh, is over adult parole and probation. Okay. And that's who fired him. Basically, when you post stuff like that and and you're a parole and probation officer, you're advertising that you have no intent of intentions of protecting anybody's civil Mm -hmm. rights. If if you're so hateful, how can you possibly uh, defend the people that you're sworn to mm-hmm. protect? And that's why he was let go for these posts. It was it was he basically broke his oath mm-hmm. when you go on there, and they are ugly. So we know that this is why he got fired from adult parole and probation. They were investigating a, an incident and came across these posts, but we still don't know um, why he got fired from the Moab City Police Department. I, right? I'm I'm see the city of police uh, city of Moab. Um, has gotten into a really bad habit of hiding behind, uh, finding reasons to not comment yeah. on, on issues. Um, uh-huh. They're saying that he just wasn't a good fit. But I know that there were complaints filed against Mr. Gist because somebody got information mm-hmm. that he was fired from adult PNP. And I know that, that that was an investigation. Now, can I say unequivocally that that was why he was let go? I mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah. But according to Mr. Gist, Brett Edge was aware of why he was terminated. In Edge's defense, he's a chief desperate to <laughs> to put bodies in patrol squads. But basically from the city, what you've heard is not a good fit. Not a good fit. Um, do you want to move on? Should we move on? Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> okay. um, city council Tuesday night agreed to uh, enact a resolution basically putting developers on notice that if they're going to do any building in the city of Moab, they're going to have to have a component or an element of workforce housing mm. as part of their project. City planner Norris Shepard uh, said there were uh, roughly a dozen, maybe 13 mm-hmm. current projects in the beginning stages, so early that none of the builders will even be identified. Okay. Um, all of them except for one are for uh, high-end townhomes, high-end homes, the second home industry is booming in Grand County and in Moab, mm. and that's what these high-end townhomes are for. Right. Uh, there's even one plan to uh, remove a bunch of mobile homes from a lot and replace it with high-end uh, townhomes. The city, as you know, has been struggling to incentivize developers to build affordable housing, workforce housing, what have mm-hmm. you, but nothing in the zoning rules makes that happen. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. Right. There's no, yeah, there's no incentive for developers or no, not, not even incentive. There's no requirement. Right. Um, Which is like where we are at at this point is that we need requirements. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, Colin Fryer uh, is the only one out of those dozen or so Mm -hmm. who uh, specifically is building workforce housing. For his own employees. He's building 40 units uh, in the 900 block of Mill Creek Mm -hmm. uh, for his employees. So everybody else is is building for for wealthy people. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when you're wealthy, you need more than one home. So (laughs) 
my heart goes out to those people. <laughs> I t- detect a slight sarcastic just, tone. Just a bit. The important thing is that they are going to uh, try to put in uh, some safeguards that if you build, if you build this development, a portion of your development is going to have to be for workforce housing. You know, it's just a resolution, so it was an easy five-zero vote because mm-hmm. um, they're not making anybody angry yet. We'll okay. we'll see we'll see what they do when the rubber hits the road and developers show up at meetings and. Uh, mm-hmm start screaming about the best use for that land and all that stuff. Right. Highest and best use. Yeah. yeah. City planner Nora Shepard. I want to really um, emphasize this. She says that her office receives multiple calls every day on every available parcel on mm. the market in Moab. In Moab City. And these are not people that want to build affordable housing. They right. want to they right. get the best bang for their buck. That, that is another question in my mind because, you know, there's a finite amount of parcels in, right. the, in the city. It's not like we have infinite land um, we're talking about. So the planning staff know what's out there and the developers also know what's out there. So it's kind of like a race to get this, this policy in place. Right. Finally, you wanted to mention um, Christmas tree stuff. Yes. In our B section, B3, you can learn all about what you need to do to uh, go harvest a Christmas tree nice. in the Manti LaSalle Mountains. Permits are now available. Yep. You can do it online at recreation.gov. The, the, um, the offices are still closed to the public due to COVID, but it's really easy to go online and um, and get the permit uh-huh. and um, get questions answered. It's a, it's a really cool thing. Doug McMurdo, editor of the Times Independent. Subscription information and more stories can be found at moabtimes.com. Local nonprofit Canyonlands Field Institute is expanding within a national trend right now of growing support for outdoor education. Allison Harford of the Moab Sun News has more from their coverage. I started this story because I got an email from Carla Vanderzanden, who was the former executive director of CFI and also um, the founder. And basically, she was just kind of updating us on like some new things that CFI is doing. And so then I started talking to Brennan Gillis, who's the marketing and communications director. And basically what they found this year was that they had like one of their busiest seasons Mm. ever, Um, which is really cool because in 2020, they basically just survived on like PPP loans. And so now it's kind of great that they kind of bounced back. Mm. And so then I started looking into um, kind of like trends in outdoor education and I found that super recently I mean there's like a really big national trend toward expanding outdoor education and I kind of felt like across the nation these outdoor education places either honestly folded or they kind of exploded this year Mm. and so CFI um came out on top I guess and then um they're making a bunch of changes so Um, one of the main changes that they're, they've undergone has been in their curriculum. Mm. Um, and so they're kind of veering away from trivia-based science curriculum of being like on a hike and pointing out a ponderosa pine sure. versus, you know, a rabbit brush mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and now they're doing more of an emphasis on like making emotional connections with nature and kind of teaching students like how to be in nature in a way that like they connect to it. I think that's an interesting point because so often, like, mm-hmm. we can feel in our tourism economy, especially, mm-hmm. like, our industrial tourism economy, that 
places in nature it's just like a destination it's about like going to see the site instead Mm -hmm. of experiencing our environment in you know less of a like commodified way I guess Mm -hmm. and more about like internal um, connections with nature yeah and they also mentioned how they're trying to create this kind of like programming for middle schoolers where um like sixth grade students attend a field camp program, a Professor Valley field mm-hmm. camp. And then when they're in seventh grade, they do a river trip. And then in eighth grade, they attend and design like a service project. Mm, okay. um, yeah. So they're trying to create this like progressional program for okay. the local middle schools. Well, great. More information about CFI in the Moabs and News this week. Um, you also did something on art trails. Can you tell us about um, Moab art trails? They installed all of these public artworks, all these sculptures Mm -hmm. around town. Um, Now what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, 13 pieces by 10 different artists were installed in late September for this year's art exhibition. Um, And I talked to the founders of Moab Art Trails, Michael Denton and Christy Williams Denton. We talked about kind of themes that emerged this year, and they said that they never have like an official theme for each year, Mm. but one always organically emerges. Mm. Um, And so for this year, there were a lot of like circles and trees and a lot of the meanings behind these sculptures were about like unity and hope for a brighter Mm. future, Um, which I think does make sense if you think about everything that's happened between September 2020 and September 2021. I just thought that was really lovely. Talked to one of the artists, Nate Brimhall, who created two um, sculptures for the exhibition. And both of his sculptures focus on like unity and kind of being aware of yourself and also like the role that you play in other people's lives. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so his sculptures are Consciousness Rising, which is um, on display on Main Street, like kind of near Wells Fargo. And then Awareness is the other sculpture, and that's on display across the street from the mark. I I love that this theme, like you said, emerged organically. Um, Anything else to mention about art trails? Yeah, um, I think that the artist mentioned this, like what's cool about sculpture is that it can like be a different experience for everyone especially depending on like the weather or your own mood Mm -hmm. or just you know how much light there is and so yeah it's a really cool experience to walk around the art trail and in the future there will be more information on how the community can vote on um, which sculpture they want to be added to the permanent collection in Moab. And finally, um, I'm hoping you can tell us about um, an article you wrote about the Rural Utah Project doing a film series. Yeah, so the Rural Utah Project is um, taking part of in this rural cinema cohort um, that's done by Working Films. Huh. And Working Films is an organization whose mission is to use documentaries to advance social justice and environmental protection. Mm. Um, and so the rural cinema cohort is kind of this like training institute and community engagement program that teaches organizations in rural communities um, about like how they can use film to kind of share these messages and bring their community together. So the Rural Utah Project is in that cohort, and the first film in their three-part documentary series will be on Tuesday, October 19th. Um, And it's the film Eating Up Easter, which 
came out in 2018 and explores the challenges that Easter Island natives face as tourism threatens to overwhelm the mm. island's resources. Mm. Um, so, yeah, pretty relevant to yeah, that. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, and then before the film, um, Rihanna Medina, who is the executive director of the Moab Valley Multicultural Center, and Sarah Milnikoff, who is the founder and director of um, Moab Solutions, um, and Emily Niehaus, our current mayor, they will all kind of be in a conversation about the changes that Moab has undergone um, as tourism to this area has increased. And so I think that, yeah, all three of those women will have really important things to say about That's kind of the roles that their organizations play in changing Moab. And are there other films, you know, throughout the series? Yes. So the next film in the series is Public Trust, The Fight for America's Public Lands, mm. which was created by Patagonia in 2020. Um, and that will show on Tuesday, October 26th. Um, and that film shows how activists and indigenous communities um, have tried and are currently trying to protect public lands in the U.S., and so before that film, uh, Mark Maryboy, who is the San Juan County Commissioner, will discuss indigenous-led efforts to protect public lands mm -hmm. in kind of like our area of Utah. The first two films in the series will take place at Old City Park um, at 7 p.m., so make sure you bring like blankets sure, and yeah. snacks and stuff. <laughs> and then the third film um, will premiere online. Allison Hartford, staff reporter at the Moab Sun News. Subscription information and more stories can be found at moabsunnews.com. That's it for the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest stories about Moab area issues. Find the stories mentioned today in the show notes of the news at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in and supporting KZMU Community Powered Radio.